0: Listen, do you hear? That is the sound of ultimate suffering. You've just entered the Davis locker.
1: Yes, it is episode nine of our feel-good film series. And today we have a tale for you that's all about true love. It's The Princess Bride. Here's what's coming up. I absolutely hated it. Well, you're not going to like this. This is bullshit. It's not
0: funny. That's one of my things. It's not funny, this.
1: I'm the granddad and I've got to kind of sell this story to a grumpy little asswipe like you. Brilliant. Marriage, marriage. There's a little fella, have you seen him behind the tree? Somewhere there's a Wally residing within them. <laughs> White dog poo.
0: You think, oh, you don't see it nowadays, fantastic. Good on him, bloody good on him, good fella. Princess Bride is responsible for <laughs> Dire breaking up. You love a bit of whimsy. Look like a foam turd.
1: I can see your fire rising guy. So the, the, the
0: one bit I like, around uh, 98 minutes in, it, stopped, it finished.
1: This is the last show. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Davis Locker. I am your host, Chris Davis. And with me, as always, he's a rodent of unusual size. He's the queen of refuge. It's Gazzardy! <laughs> How's it going, pal? <laughs> Great.
0: Yeah, you sure? Mm, yeah, I suppose so. Oh, what's the matter? I don't even know why we're doing this episode. I think we're going to get a zero view
1: count. Uh-huh. Awful. Right. Let me fill you all in. We've got a serious, serious situation here. Basically, we've been getting loads of love for our AT specials that we've been doing lately. The Dirty Dancing one, the Labyrinth, Flash Dance. Everyone's been absolutely loving them. So I said to Gaz, I was like, listen, you know what we have to do? It's The Princess Bride. Now, you hadn't seen it until last week, had you?
0: No, I hadn't. I hadn't.
1: Um, what do you think of it, mate? What happened when you watched it?
0: It's now in my top five list. My top five worst films of all time. I absolutely hated oh, it.
1: Seriously. I can't believe you're saying this. I Are you know. kidding me? No. <laughs> Right, so let's not beat around the bush. So when Gaz told me this, I I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Frankly, it was inconceivable. That won't be the last time you hear that tonight. But um, what I did was I thought, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll take it to the internet. I'll get some stuff out on our social media. I'll ask people, what makes the Princess Bride so good? And how can we prove old grouchy ass wrong? Right, so let's just get straight into it, Gah. 1987, The Princess Bride is released, directed by Rob Reiner and based on the 1973 novel of the same name by William Goldman. The plot is thus. A young boy is sick in bed and his grandfather arrives to read in the story of a young farm boy turned pirate named Wesley who must overcome various obstacles, enemies and make new allies in a quest to find his true love. Let's take a look at the trailer. I was just sick, huh? I brought you a special present. What is it? It was the book my father used to read to me when I was sick, and I used to read it to your father. And today, I'm going to read it to you.
0: It was a time when life didn't seem so complicated. Marriage is what brings us together.
1: Today. What? 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 I'm killing myself. Once we reach the honeymoon suite. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice? a courtly age of gentle conversation. I won't always come for you.
0: But how can you be sure?
1: This is true love.
0: Oh, no. Is this a kissing book?
1: No. Actually, there was a lot of treachery, feral, <clears throat> and revenge. Prepare to
0: die. Never go in against the Sicilian! Death is on the line! There were affairs of state. but I've got my country's 500th anniversary to plan, my wedding to arrange, my wife to murder, and Gilda to frame for it. I'm swamped. And affairs of the heart.
1: My Wesley will always come for me.
0: Your Wesley is dead. I've seen worse.
1: Bye-bye, boys! Have fun storming the castle! turning. What What's the difference?
0: We've got
1: him. Take it away. It would take a miracle. Goodbye.
0: It's a story of
1: love. A tale of adventure. It's as real as the feelings you feel. i kissing again. Someday you may not
0: mind so much.
1: The Princess Bride. Not just your basic, average, everyday, ordinary, run-of-the-mill, ho-hum fairy tale. So there you have it. I mean, what a fantastic film The Princess Bride is. And I don't care what you say, I'm not having any of this. Like I always say this week, this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I say this every week because <laughs> you've been grumpy lately. I think lockdown's getting to you. But this is some bullshit. The Princess Bride is a bona fide classic. And I, and I, I, tell you, I think you're the first person I've ever met who hasn't liked this film. Do you know what? I,
0: I don't go into these films grumpy. I will say that I always go into a film with if this is gonna be ten out of ten, and then when I see poor things like I saw many in my opinion on this, the score kind of whittles down to one out of ten in this case.
1: Jesus, one out of ten.
0: that's being generous. <laughs> Are you taking the piss
1: i can't I can't believe this. I mean, so like I said, what I did was um I went to the internet, I stuck something out on our social media. you saw it obviously it was let's. Find out what makes The Princess Bride so good. And like I said, I've got a few, a few statements here, guy. ready. I even wrote them down. I didn't want to use anything digital because The Princess Bride holds that kind of... It harks back to a golden non-digital age for me. So I wanted to write them down and hit you with them.
0: Well, what I will say is, you Go said on. you don't know anyone that doesn't like I it. I didn't. I sat down with my family. You'd been bigging it up saying it's one of your favourite films. It's brilliant. Everyone thought it was rubbish. My wife fell asleep. My youngest, after 15 minutes, she's three, she just went off to do a puzzle, little (laughs) jigsaw puzzle. My six-year-old was like, can't we put Labyrinth on? This is rubbish, Dad.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. Now, obviously, we can't knock Labyrinth. Love the film Labyrinth, of course. But I think there needs to be some sort of intervention here, guy, because you're obviously not teaching them the right things when it comes to these films. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe I bet you were talking over it. I bet you'd already—they'd already gone into that film with you going, "Well, you're not going to like this." <laughs> I'm not having—I'm not having the fact that a six-year-olds love this film. Mm. My six-year-old loves it. No,
0: nope.
1: you know, no, nope. serious. He's going to—he's going to be annoyed with you when he sees this.
0: I know, I know. <laughs> I hope lockdown stays a little bit longer so I don't have to come round to your house and have him beat me up. <laughs>
1: All right, well, the, the best way I can start this off then, right, is we need to discuss the, the plot of the film. What What's it about? Why is it so good? And I'm going to open up, right, because how I feel right now is I feel like this is a bit of Princess Bride Inception in that I'm the granddad and I've got to kind of sell this story to a grumpy little arsewipe like you, right?
0: <laughs> it's not going to be about kissing, is it?
1: <laughs> I'm not kissing you ever again. You know what I mean? <laughs> but anyway I'll open it up with the grandpa quote and basically he's the grandpa's played by Peter Falk and the grandson is played by Fred Savage who we all know from the Wonder Years which was one of the best things ever when I was growing up I absolutely loved the Wonder Years and uh, he says to the granddad you know when they're talking about the book he's like is there any sports in it and the granddad says and this is what sells the book instantly to me he says are you kidding fencing fighting torture revenge Giants, monsters, chases, escapes, true love, miracles. I mean, if you're not sold at that point, guy, there's something wrong with you because I'll give you something, right? When the film does open up, we kind of do adopt, the viewer does adopt the role of the grandson in that we're kind Mm. of a a bit sceptical because this framing device of the granddad telling the story of the film kind of does take you out of it, doesn't it? And you you sort of think to yourself, oh, it's going to be hard to suspend my disbelief here because I know it's just someone reading a story. But that's gone within minutes to me. That 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 worry's gone within minutes because the characters are so good, the plot is so good, everything about it's so good that I'm just immersed straight away. And I can't believe you, knowing the kind of films you like as well, you love a bit of whimsy and that kind of thing. <laughs> I can't believe you weren't on board with this film.
0: I was, up until that point, I thought, fantastic. If this was just a film where Columbo... Would you like to hear something funny? ...was talking to Kevin from the Wonder Years for an hour and (laughs) a half, and I could use my imagination, I would have really enjoyed it. Right. However, it's when we actually get into the film that it's like suddenly nosedive for me.
1: At what point? Why? What's not to love about the start of that film? We see um, Cary Elwes uh, come in. He's the farm boy, Westley. I mean, he looks fantastic. He's perfectly cast. You know, we've got Robin Wright as Princess Buttercup looking beautiful. Never, never I've never been that attracted to Robin Wright for some reason. I think it's the Jenny factor. Yeah. I think she annoyed me too much in Forrest <laughs> Gump. <laughs> but um but you know, you've got these two lovely, handsome, beautiful young people in a wonderful surrounding. It starts it's it's you know it's a fairy tale beginning. What's not to like?
0: I just thought from that point on it's yeah. boring. It meanders. It's, for, for today's standards, completely outdated. It's just oh, Stockholm Syndrome, it. really. These two people come are just, off it. they don't really like each other. They're just there with each other for too long, and that's why they like each other.
1: That's it. It's true love. What are you talking about? This whole film, is it- the main theme running through this film is the value of true love, whether that be between um, Wesley and Princess Buttercup, whether it be in the friendships between. Fezig and Inigo Montoya, for example. It's all about true love. The, the relationship between the grandpa and the grandson. It's true love. It's the value of love. What are talking about? a curious thing.
0: I don't mind a bit of love, Chris. When it's poorly executed, that's uh, when I have umbrage with it.
1: I can't believe it. Right, it's not poorly executed. Let's, let's talk about initially, right? Let's talk about this, the book. Well, the script, really, because William Goldman wrote the book. And it does differ from the film a bit but I Mm. think that's okay because William Goldman did the screenplay so if the writer of the book decides he's going to change stuff in it and he's not too precious about it then good on him bloody good on him good fella and basically nominated for oh no he's won sorry won two Oscars I think Um, two Oscars yeah yeah yeah, he won one for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and for All Um, the President's Men in 77 so you know you can't that kind of calibre guy the screenplay how can you say from the off that it's boring it meanders you know all this I rubbish think, I think I think he's
0: an he's an excellent screenwriter agreed I think he's a very poor novelist and I think that's the, what the problem was on this Um, I think they should have had more writers on it I think they should have had comedy writers on this because where Rob Ryan has done well like this is Spinal Tap they had loads of other comedy writers Gore has just been let Rip to do whatever he wanted, and he's not done it well.
1: In no, my with opinion, all the comedy was already in the source, already in the source material. It's not. It's not it? funny. That's one of my things. It's it not is. funny. This. It's now, not. when you said you don't think he's a great writer, <clears throat> he himself has said he's not a fan of any of his work apart from pretty much the Princess Bride. So you would almost kind of agree with himself, except on the point that you're trying to make, which is that the Princess Bride is no good when it bloody well. Is And I'll tell you what, we're going to go right now, I'm going to go to my first point from okay. uh, the legion of people <laughs> online, and thank you to everyone for getting involved in this, the legion of people online who have left me statements, uh, questions, remarks, whatever, uh, just to sort of tell me how you feel about The Princess Bride. So I'll go with the first one, and this was from Taylor Wilson Varnell on Facebook oh
0: yeah because that's not a made up person I think you've just made these up
1: (laughs) (laughs) sorry about that Taylor Uh, Taylor Wilson Varnell says it just fundamentally hits all areas of filmmaking so well when people say they don't like it and it's rare it's usually from a personal level rather than a filmmaking level it is a 101 class on how to make a solid movie all round that's a great great comment and it's bang on You've got the kind of amalgamation of genres here, Guy. You've got the amalgamation of styles. I love the cinematography in it. I love what they did with the locations. Are they used real locations? I've been to Haddon Hall. I've been to Humperdinck's Castle. I've seen it firsthand. I love this one. I love that. Do you know, I've, this is one of the things when I thought to myself, why doesn't he like this film? And it annoyed me because we're guerrilla style filmmakers. Really? And this film was shot very guerrilla style. Not a massive amount of money. Budget was 16 million. And it was successful in a way. It doubled its budget. But it really found its success on VHS when, when uh, you know, the video, it came out on video and everyone started saying, oh, this is fantastic. You've got to watch this. Passing it on, passing it on, passing it on. So, so yeah, what do you make of that, that comment then, guys? That it's a solid, fundamental film, a 101 class on how to make a solid film. 101
0: filmmaking, I agree with. It looks like a student film. The cinematography is awful. It's incredibly basic. Oh. The camera hardly moves. There's no no um, dynamic movement in there. The pace is so slow. I think the editing is shocking. Oh, come on. Some man. of the things, the inconsistencies that are in there is just littered. Page after page after page after page. I started writing them down as I was going along, and that was just the ones I saw. I've only seen it once, and I'm never going to watch it again. Oh but God. there's so many that I could see is ridiculous. Like what? Plenty of times where actors don't move their mouth, and are words are coming out of it. There's dialogue, you know that. Um, there's plenty of times where, even in the same scene, Wesley's mustache changes all different lengths. There's a bit you're talking about the the rodents. There's a little fella. Have you seen him behind the tree, P- programming or making it move? A little techie fella.
1: No, it's people Rubbish. in suits. The rodents are people in suits for the most part.
0: Yeah, they are. But there's a little fella behind the tree moving the mouth electronically, radio style. Honestly, <laughs> you go back and have a look at it. <laughs>
1: why does, that, I am why does taking, that annoy
0: you, though? That's just indicative of the time. Indicative of poor filmmaking at the time. Agreed. Ooh. Now, what you're saying Sad. to me, yeah, the budget was small. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. By eighty standards, so E.T. E.T. 10 million pounds that was made on, and that looks so much better. Um, 84, 11 million gremlins.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Jaws, back in 75, 9 million.
1: Come on down and chomp some of this shit. What I meant by that was, is that it was a, a sort of like, the way they made it was like it was a low budget, like the style of it. Because they're not out there so what to what change... what happened to all the money then? They're not Look out at there all of the change. production
0: design with all those other fantastic films I just mentioned. And oh, that, hey. It's like
1: rubbish. Princess Bride's got good production design.
0: No. There's no, <laughs> no there's,
1: there's no substitute for real locations, my friend. You know this.
0: I agree with that. You
1: know this. You know this. Right. So you're not having that one then? It's not a 101? Nope. nope. Right, I'm going to move on to my next comic because I want to race through these a little bit. Because... Um, I think it's important. Now, I did get one. There was one or two that kind of agreed with you. And so while you're on your rant, while you're on your rant, I'm going to give (laughs) you some ammunition. So, Gareth Nolan, it must be a Gareth thing, miserable bunch of turds. Gareth Gareth Misery Guts Nolan on Facebook. Good lad, good lad. I
0: salute you, Gareth.
1: I think it's nostalgia goggles. There's plenty of films I loved because I loved them as a kid. Which are objectively not very good. I'm not biased by any way I'm reading these. But that was, yeah, Gareth. So Gareth's saying it's nostalgia, basically. There's loads of films that I love when I was young that when I look back at them, they're objectively not very good. What would you say to that? Because this doesn't really apply to you on this one because you're watching it yeah. with, you know, grown-up size.
0: Agreed. I think Gareth has hit the nail bang on the head. The, the nostalgia value of this, I think, is clouded everyone's judgment. Agreed. You have to kind of now look at it subjectively. You you do love it from your childhood. You look at it now and you're like, actually, it's rubbish. There are plenty of things from your childhood when you think about it, it brings a smile to your face. Yeah. Like white dog poo. You think, oh, you don't see it nowadays. Fantastic. But it does. When you think about it, a little smile comes to your face. You're still talking about shit.
1: Do you know what? Do you know what? Right? Do you know what I think about my childhood that used to make me laugh and now is annoying me? You. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you used to be happy now you're a grouch you're a lockdown down grouch but I mean what, what I would say is and it's kind of a, I'm going to contradict myself in a way is that do you think you're the target audience for this film even though it's universally adored for me generationally no matter what your age people seem to love this film do you think when you've watched it now you've really kind of thought well I'm not somewhere I'm not the target audience for this I'm not into it yeah
0: I- probably not but if you make a film like this the, the thing is I'm not sure who the target audience is yes it's for kids primarily but you've always got to make stuff I mean, that the parents in, enjoy so what age group are you saying it's it's a pg know, that's right? what i saying.
1: that's yeah that's what i'm saying i don't know if i'm contradicting myself because i just it was just something that popped into me then like it, it, you just was it just not hitting the mark for you and for some reason but for me right i'll be dead straight with you and i've already said this to you the last sort of week or so going back to this film a bit more and watching, and I must have watched it four times this last week. Yeah. I've loved it every single time. And I've fallen way more in love with the film than I ever was. I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. Than I ever was. So for me it's not nostalgia at all. I've looked at it subjectively, I've looked at it as a film. And there are things in it, like you say, there. some of the editing is bad, there are scenes where people aren't moving their mouths and stuff, but I can forgive it all of that. (laughs) Maybe that is the nostalgia talking that lets me give it this forgiveness. But at the same time, I just think it is a really well-put-together film in terms of the witty dialogue, how kind of heartfelt it is. You know, it's kind of... It's heartfelt, but it never gets sappy. It never, ever gets sappy. It's never kind of... You know, it's, it's, at the end of the day, it's a damsel in distress story. It's a fairy tale. Yeah? Yeah. But it never kind of gets to that point where you think, this is too much now. I'm never Fred Savage. I'm never like, come on. I don't want, no, that's enough now. I'm never that. Never that. I'm always like, give me more, give me more, give me more. And I think a large part of that is the writing. Like, I can't. I disagree with you fully on that. I think it is funny. I think it is witty. Especially what now we're talking about? You have mentioned the rodents of unusual size. I love that bit when they're in the fire swamp, and uh, she's <laughs> she says she, she says um, what about the rodents of unusual size? The ROUSs or she says, and uh, what does he say? They don't exist or something. I can't remember now for some reason. And then oh, and then instantly one jumps on him, and it's yeah. so funny. It's so funny. It's great comedy timing. Firstly, what about the ROUSs? Rodents of unusual size. I don't think they exist. You know, for me, the styling of comedy is kind of very Python-esque, a bit Douglas Adams, uh, yeah, very Mel I th- Brooks.
0: I think know. that's one of the issues. I think it's like these people have gone to the Monty Python cutting room floor and got all the shit bits that they didn't want, and they put this <laughs> film together with that. If it would have had a Mel Brooks involved in it, I think it could have been a success, I will say that. But I just in the way it's put together, it wants to be Python, but it's just not, it's nowhere near as good.
1: Well, Miracle Max was kind of based on a Mel Brooks character, the 2,000-year-old man or whatever his name was. And obviously Billy Crystal as Miracle Max is incredibly good. He probably
0: owes you money, huh? Well, I'll ask him. He's dead. He can't talk.
1: Look who knows so much, eh? Well, it just so happens that your friend here is only mostly dead. There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Please open his mouth. Now, mostly dead, he's slightly alive. Now, all dead... Well, with all dead, there's usually only one thing that you can do. What's that? Go through his clothes and
0: look for loose change.
1: I mean, he's absolute gold. I mean, Mandy Patinkin, who plays Eagle Montoya, even said the only injury he got on the film was he, he pulled a rib or something, uh, laughing so hard at Billy Crystal when he was doing yeah. his, his ad libbing. I mean, it's gold, guy. Anyway, let me. And I've heard the...
0: that. I've I've heard that he was fantastic, but because they wanted to keep it a family film, they had to discard about seventy-five percent of the funny stuff because it mm. was not. Not suitable for a, for a yeah, that's small fair. small audience. And what annoyed me was, I watched it and then, it, by today's standards, it's not really a big swear word, but it does say son of a bitch in it. And I was like, well, this is for kids. You shouldn't be really putting that in. There's no yeah. need for it.
1: When an eagle Montoya kills yeah. the six-fingered man, Count Rugen. Yeah. It's like I a, want my father back, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Great line. Great line. I don't know what you're talking about. But I know what needed. you're saying, I, I, can kind of see, I can kind of see what you're saying on that, I, kind of, I kind of get it, but I love, it like, it harks back, like I said earlier, it harks back to that golden age of Hollywood for me, and that's what I love, I love about it, I, lo- I think there's not enough of that nowadays, there's not enough of that harking back, and I love the style of it, like, like you say it looks low budget or whatever you say, it looks like a student film, I don't think it does, I think it just looks like what it's supposed to look like. Which is your classic sort of Errol Flynn, Robin Hood, Douglas Fairbanks kind of film, your swashbuckling epic of days of yore, and I think it yeah. does a perfectly good job of that.
0: I think it's a a poor rehash of those films, like you say, Robin Hood and Zorro. They've taken that and gone, let's make something like this, and they have failed big time.
1: No, because I don't, I don't, I can't even can say that because I know what you're saying, but I don't think you can say that because it melds so many genres. That you can't say I just think tries it's messy because of that. Because of no, that, I think it's messy. No, it's gold. What do of you that. want to be? What do you want to be? A, a swashbuckling dread pirate Roberts chasing my true wife. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you, you just We're touched on it very recently, where you said it, it's a damsel in distress. Now people have said, let's let's remake this film for the modern era. No, I don't think they can because of it's so outdated. Oh, let's just put a token woman in there, a damsel in distress. I mean, isn't there two female characters in it? She doesn't do anything, Robin, right? She's not even really got any dialogue. It's so poor from a female perspective.
1: No, I don't don't think so. I think she's quite ballsy. I think Buttercup's quite ballsy. When she's allowed
0: to speak, the vast majority of the time, she's just got to stand there and look pretty. Like in that scene with the R.O.U.'s. Brilliant. (laughs) She just stands there. If (laughs) I'm going, ah, ah, Wesley. It's so bad. She she helps him. No, not really. She stands there.
1: all right. Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna meander here, aren't we? I'm gonna get back to the people because I can see your fire rising, guy, and I want to <laughs> counteract you with the uh, water sprinkler of Facebook. So, I've got Conan Stanger says it's endlessly quotable without being contrived. It just feels heartfelt. Although loved might be the better word. And these are all kind of along the same lines. I think it's insanely well written. Top 50 casting job of any film ever. That's from Zachary Gale. Mm, Top 50 no. cast. See, I would agree with that. I think the cast is pretty perfect. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I mean, who else can play Andre the Giant? Who else can be Fezzik?
0: Rubbish. Why? Andre the Giant, I don't even know <laughs> why he's in it. He's so. He's Number giant. one. The BFG. Uh, that's me. <laughs> Yeah, so what? It's like, let's get him in it. and to, For a visual pun, tee-hee-hee, we'll put a little fella in there as well. Sean Wallace, he's only small in stature. I think they wanted Danny DeVito to start what with. Sean? It's like, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, whatever, I don't care. And he's like, oh. It's just, the problem with Andre the Giant, one, yeah. his, his acting skills are zero. He can't no. do anything. No he, way, he's a natural performer. His acting, he's, a, he's a
1: wrestler. Wrestling is acting. He's a natural performer.
0: He's not, he's, a, he's one of the worst wrestlers ever. No one says it's their favourite wrestler, I will guarantee that 100%. And also, his, his accent, and I'm not really having to go at him because he was just thrown into us. His accent, I can't really understand him. The way his, his diction is, it's like, come on, enunciate well, fun- a little bit, Andre.
1: Funnily enough, they recognized that problem. Rob Reiner recognised that problem. What they actually did with Andre the Giant was Reiner recorded Nothing, all of because his awful. Lines. Shut up you No, it was awful. Reiner <laughs> he recorded all of his lines and then gave them to Andre so that he could listen to them exactly how he wanted how Reiner wanted them spoken. So he actually was listening to his lines all the time as well, kind of, you know, behind the scenes and whatnot. So they did actually address that issue. So they I can't didn't address really, it though. I can't really slag you off for that one. As yeah. um as much of a hater as you are for Andre the legend giant. <laughs> but uh, this is a good one. Denise Higdon Hodge says The actors, the storyline, it's just a fun, feel good comedy to help you forget about the world. They don't make movies like this anymore. And they don't. They, they don't, don't. Fantasies, yeah. fantasies become so serious now. Like games and all that. They kind don't of stuff. make it's films so like this
0: anymore. They do not make films like this anymore because they make good films now.
1: <laughs> not, not all of them are good films. I've just watched that Eurovision thing with Will Ferrell, and that's <laughs> a turd. Yada, bingo, bingo. I, it's way British better Iceland. than though It's way better than Princess. No, Bright. it's not. Don't you dare! Yeah, no, there's lines, and you're crossing them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and right, here's, so, here's
0: another positive feedback from Chris Chrisman.
1: Go on. This is a good one. This is this is very much uh, kind of this wasn't the only person that said this. There was a lot of people that kind of addressed this vibe of the film. The characters are great, and it does everything with a knowing wink. And it does. And that's what I love about it. It does do everything with a knowing wink. It really does. This, you know, this all that I've lines, seen you this. Go on,
0: I've seen this where people say, oh yeah, everyone's in on it. Wink, wink, nudge, <laughs> nudge. Oh, we all know we're in a fairy tale. Well, the thing is, though, if you do know you're in a fairy tale story, you know the good guy's always going to win. So why wasn't Wesley real nonchalant when he's on the machine? He knows he's going to win. He knows he's in a fairy tale. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, I'm going to be all right. So he whatever. doesn't
1: know he's in a fairy tale. I thought everyone did know. Nudge, nudge, we all know we're in a fairy no, tale. No, no. The actors knew they were in a fairy tale. That's, that's what I'm saying. The, the, it's an annoying wink from the acting perspective where they're all just having such a great time that they can deliver these lines convincingly. Guy, they, they can deliver this wit that drips off the celluloid with The Princess Bride, convincingly, and it does. I mean, it is, like, going back to the quotable point, it's one of the most quotable films of all time. I think, uh, My Name is Inigo Montoya, You Killed My Father, Prepare to Die, is listed in, like, top 50 film quotes of all time. My name is Inigo Montoya, You Killed
0: My Father, Prepare to Die. Of all time, and everyone knows that line.
1: Even though you hadn't seen the film, I bet you knew the line.
0: I've never heard a single person ever in my lifetime to say any of the quotes from this film. So when I've read, it's so not even inconceivable? No. Inconceivable. Maybe people have said that to me and have not realised what they've been saying. But I've, it's not something that I've, someone's gone, inconceivable. <laughs> and I've gone, what, what's that? It's from Princess Bride. I've gone, no, okay.
1: It's never no, happened. No more rhymes, I mean it. Anybody want a peanut? Percy, are there rocks ahead? If they are, they all be dead. No more
0: rhymes now, I mean it. Anybody wanna feel it?
1: So yeah, so that's that's probably one of my favorite quotes in it. Another one I like is Miracle Max when he says, have fun storming the castle. And his line about the MLT, the mutton, lettuce, and tomato. True love is the greatest thing in the world, except for nice MLT, a mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomato is ripe. It's so perky, I love that. I thought you'd like because let's be honest. If they sold it in Starbucks, you'd be landed. You'd eat it, <laughs> or any. That's gourmet. Or any other reputable coffee chain, whatever. But um,
0: no, no. I want some uh, sponsorship from Starbucks, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> or
1: any other reputable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay. So let let's leave the quotes there. Um, another. Sorry, no, I can't. I can't because there's so many witty bits in it, there's so many funny quotes, like the the sword fight when Eagle Montoya says, uh, you know.
0: You seem a decent fellow. I hate to kill you. You seem a decent fellow. I hate to die.
1: Now, all these brilliant little just, and they're the ones that are done with the wink, they're the ones that are done with a little to the camera, and it's just brilliant. It's just brilliant. The characters are fantastic. We've got to talk about the characters. They're so well developed in this film, I think. Do you not think? (laughs) Obviously no. not. There's
0: <laughs> zero developments.
1: <laughs> no way. There's... Nothing.
0: There's no arcs for any characters.
1: And Eagle Montoya hasn't got an arc. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me?
0: Just hell bent on revenge. That's it.
1: So still no an arc. arc. He gets his revenge, and then he, just sort of insinuated that he might become the Dread Pirate Roberts after Wesley. Mm.
0: And that's another thing. You're talking about Wesley. He goes off to be this pirate for five years, right? If he's so in love with Robin Wright, why didn't he come straight back? Or why didn't he at least send a little birdie with a little note in his mouth to say, I'm all right, I'm not dead. Chill out, wait for me, I'll be back.
1: Fair point. I can't argue with that one. I haven't got much of a retort for that one. Because I did think I, that was I, I, I think was
0: he, like... I think he dislikes her a little bit. And, no. and a little bit like that with, no, with no, us. No, no, no. I mean, coronavirus, we're down to no. one metre distance now. I could easily be in that studio with you today, but no...
1: Let's leave it another five years, please. Are you not invited back to the studio now after this? (laughs) This is the last show. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's got an arc, so I, I disagree. I know what he's saying. There is that little kind of thing, but again, it's one of the things I forgive with this film. It's one of the things I forgive because I'll put my nostalgia specs on for that one. I'll happily admit it. That's not the reason why I think this film's great, and I have fallen more in love with it. It's not nostalgia, but little things like that, I'll give you that. I'll give you that one. Buttercup's kind of got an arc, but not a massive one. Uh, again, She I'm, ain't got
0: an arc. She ain't got an arc. She ain't got any lines. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she has. She's ballsy. She's ballsy, Buttercup. She doesn't take any crap off Humperdinck at mm-hmm. all. She doesn't take any crap off Wesley when she thinks he's a dread pirate robber. She pushes him down the hill. One of the funniest scenes in the film. And then he says the famous line, which we've not even mentioned yet. You can die too for all I care. Oh. As you wish. Which, of course, when Wesley says, as you wish, to Buttercup, what he's really saying is, I love you. I mean, mm. it's magic. And then that, that bit's so funny because she pushes him down the side of the, uh, the, side of the hill. And then when she realises it's, my darling Wesley, she just sort of flops straight down after him. <laughs> And it's hilarious, and it's done with its tongue firmly embedded in its chica. Because surely, I mean, when I was watching it with the good lady, she was, and it's one of her favourite films. But she, even she, always says, "Why doesn't she just sort of slide down on her bum yeah. <laughs> instead of hurling herself <laughs> perilously down this canyon?" You know. But um, okay, so Wesley and Buttercup. I think Wesley's got a decent arc. Buttercup, I'll agree with you on. Right, but Inigo Montoya's got a brilliant arc. I'm not having any of that. Even Humperdinck has got an arc. Even Humperdinck. because he gets left alive at the end. Yeah, he's a little dirtbag. He's trying to frame the sort of rival country gilder for the murder of Buttercup, and you know, start a war basically so that he can you know profit from war, whatever he wants to do. And he doesn't get that. He doesn't get it in the end. You know, he's a slimy little dirtbag, but he's not really hateable is he and again that's another one of the beauties of Princess Bride is the villains they're alright you can kind of laugh at the villains they're they sort of useless in a way and you kind of know they're useless and it's that tongue in cheek thing again so there's no real peril and that's what I like about it mm,
0: Yeah, I it, hate him because I hate the film crack on
1: <sighs> Peter Cook Peter Cook when he's doing the wedding marriage marriage you can't hate that That's Peter Cook's a legend he's funny as hell he, the thing,
0: yeah, he's not bad, and he's completely underused. His character, the impressive clergyman, it's like, hang on a minute, I'll be the judge of that. That's like you coming on saying, "Hi, I'm Chris Davis, the handsome host of the Davis Locker." Hang on a minute, let me just, let me. Just, from one angle, yeah, reality, you look a little bit yeah. like Matt Damon, and that's one of the, the angle when you you catch yourself in one of those from circus behind. mirrors. <laughs>
1: <laughs> tell you what, you've you said that a few times on this show now, and if Matt Damon ever watches it, he's going to be gutted. <laughs> like, really? Don't fuck with me. All right. Well, is there anything you do like about it, guy? I
0: I got to be fair. I really enjoyed, and I will say, really enjoyed the sword fight. I thought right. that was that was well done. Yeah, it mm. was. And I mean. We mentioned this before on the show. During our prelude, we put some a lightsaber duel together. Yeah. We know how hard it is to get yeah. right, to choreograph, to yeah. edit well. So I do yeah. have to say the sword fight is, it is good.
1: Yeah, well, funnily enough, you mentioned this the, the lightsaber duels. They had, I think it's Bob Anderson, the chap's name is, he's one of the stunt coordinators and the sword yeah. uh, the, the fight specialists on the original Star Wars. And I think he's the one who's worked with Errol Flynn and all these people. And they worked on this incredible sword fight scene. I think, I don't think it's a better one in film history than that for that style yeah. I mean it fits right in with the classic Douglas Fairbanks ones and all that kind of thing I think you could put it up against anything That sort of I'd seen yeah. <clears throat> excuse me and it's testament for me to how much effort the actors Carrie Elwis and Mandy Patinkin put into it because basically it's well documented that while they were shooting every free second they got they were working on the choreography for the sword fight they even went so yeah. far as to learn each other's uh, moves because then it was less chance of an injury happening or an accident happening, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, yeah, you can't. The sword fight is one of the f- most fun scenes for me in in film history for a number of reasons. I mean, it starts off they're climbing up the cliffs of insanity, and they can't believe you know Fezzik's pulling uh, him, Visini in ego and buttercup up and what always makes me laugh is when they cut to the wide shot and it's just like flying up yeah. <laughs> but then you come back in and he's just going <laughs> <like this. laughs> but um you know they look down so
0: that's the thing that, another thing why why is it called the cliffs of insanity what's insane about it, it, it looks like a very standard cliff to me but
1: i, I think that's his face though. it's a fairy tale his face
0: is big and craggy like cliff richard See, it's, it's a standard cliff,
1: maker. <laughs> but You can get away with that in these films. That's what I like about these films, guys, that you can have the something of something, and it's fine. The cliffs of insanity, the shrieking yells. You didn't whinge about it in Labyrinth when it was the ball of eternal stench and stuff like that, did you? You're not whinging then.
0: Because it made sense. What about the, uh, the tree that they had to go into the pit of despair? It looked like Brilliant. a foam
1: turd. Brilliant. When Inigo uses his sword... And is his father guide him to it. Brilliant. I mean, genius. Stupidity. I'm saying that firmly I'm saying that tongue in cheek. But that's <laughs> the point of it. It is stupidity. And the film is aware of it. It's self aware, guy, yeah, that it's stupidity. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the beauty of it. Because films, then. I mean, I'm going to go back to the uh, to the the people on this one because I want this will make make my point probably better than I'm going to right now. And this is Ethan Jones on Facebook again, says that the fact that it doesn't overglorify violence, sex, greed, or substance abuse like most movies throughout the last two or three decades. That's what makes it good. And then Elena Jaramillo says, too many movies in the 80s had unnecessary nudity or too many were R-rated. Princess Bride was great because it was funny for all ages. And that's, that's what I'm alluding to there is that it, it is self-aware that some of it's silly. But that's what makes people laugh. You know, a bit of silliness makes people laugh. And when an eagle montoya does that and they find their way down into the I can't remember what it's called in the tree. It's just the Count of kind of pit of despair, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And um they find their way down there, they get Wesley, and they take him to Miracle Max and all this. And it's all very light hearted, very funny. Billy Crystal's a genius, as I've already said.
0: What? It's not very funny. Yeah. Crack on, it is go funny.
1: on. Is there any bit you found funny in it? There must be one bit. No,
0: there's not. Not no. one bit? No, I'm sorry to say there's not. So the, the, the one bit I liked was the sword fight and around uh, 98 minutes in, it, stuck, it finished.
1: <laughs> Are you telling me... Now, I don't believe you on this because I know you, I know you. You didn't laugh when Inigo Montoya finally comes face to face with Count Rugen, and the Six Fingered Man and he says... Hello, my name is Neil Motoy. You come if I prepare to die. And then he adopts the stance, so does Ruger. And then he just runs off.
0: No. Prepare to die.
1: See, and, and there's someone we've not even really mentioned Christopher Guest. I mean, one of the best comedy actors of the last 30 years. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, Spinal Tap, he would work with Rob Ryan Spinal Tap. Best in Show is a fantastic film. I mean, he's a genius, Chris Guest. And I like him this. He's he's kind of playing against his normal type in this one, really. He's quite stone-faced, stoic as Count Rugen, the the six-fingered man. Mm. And I think he's, again, subtly really, really funny in it. Mm. And I can't believe you don't.
0: I think he is a great actor. I think (laughs) he's a great comic actor. But everyone has a bad film, and (laughs) for him... He's unfortunately in this bad film.
1: Oh, No chance. He's got some brilliant lines. When, when uh, Humperdinck is talking about, you know, he's got his wife to murder and Gilda to frame for it, the 500th anniversary of the country or whatever, and then uh, he turns to him and says, get, get some rest. you know. You, if you haven't got your health, you haven't got anything. And it's just the way he delivers it. And it's really, really funny and really subtle and again really tongue in cheek because he's he shouldn't be saying that he's the dreaded six-fingered man he's you know in this film he's the evil incarnate isn't he do you know what I mean he
0: is i agree but then is he not is when he when he comes up with inigo yeah and he just runs yeah. away surely that's just against his character
1: no because you always, you get that little sniff that he's a bit of a wally don't you that's that's with all the characters you get a sniff that they somewhere there's a wally residing within them and you know what i really love about that scene with them actually uh, one apart from the fact that it's the ultimate redemption for Inigo, and mandy patinkin was saying you know and this is what again another thing that i love about this film and why i've fallen more in love with it because this is information i didn't know until this week mandy patinkin said himself he was um, he lost his dad a number of years before mm. and um to cancer unfortunately and when he was preparing for that scene He was saying something. He was walking around the motor at Haddon Hall, saying like, you know, this is it now. This is where I'm gonna, I'm gonna get that cancer. You know, he sort of implanted Count Rugen as this cancer that killed his dad, and he was really using that in his performance. And I think that comes up and comes through on the screen, because even though you you got annoyed when he says "son of a bitch," I think that's quite a powerful moment in this film when he finally gets that revenge and he kills him. And funnily enough, one of the little bits of trivia that I found on it was. Ruben gives him the two slashes and then stabs him and I think they both give each other five blows each and then Inigo's fifth one is when he he finishes him off and I just love little little things like that and I hope it was a conscious choice because then yes you're saying oh he's just out for revenge but yeah but he's 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 not giving any more than he's had given to him Mm -hmm. you know what I mean because he can't bring his father back and that's why he says I want my father back you son of a bitch yeah. Wherever he can, you know, the six million man can't give him what he wants. So he settles for that. But anyway, let, let's move on. Now, these are quotes, Gar, or statements from people online that are basically ripping you for your dislike <laughs> of this film. Brilliant. So here you go. Have some of this. Curtis Anderson, your friend has no taste in movies. Feed him to the rodents of unusual size. <laughs> 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 and James Beckingham says, this film is a benchmark to judge people. If you don't like it, I don't want to know you. Well, I don't want so to know you, go, you that's, either. That's two friends you've lost. What's it?
0: What, Who's it? What's it, say me, tell me his name again?
1: James Beckingham. That's two friends you've lost, and you're going to need an extra one because you're losing three.
0: I'm going to ban him. I'm going to I'm going to ban him from the group.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, sure he'd be devastated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, can I can I? I want to tell you why, right? I mean, Because I've not really defended this film that much because I've enjoyed hearing you moan because it does make me laugh. I like listening to him moan. It's quite funny. <laughs> he moans quite a lot. He looks jolly, but he moans quite a lot. But um, i tell you what I love about these films. And this is genuine now. Like I said, this last week or so, I've watched it about four times. I've watched all the documentaries, the behind-the-scenes stuff. And it's the reverence with which the cast hold this film and how... Honored they all were to be a part of it. The kind of the love they've got for it that just it just makes me appreciate it exponentially more than I did before. Just because you know, like for example, Mandy Patinkin said, um, th- "We're in the Wizard of Oz of our generation," and I agree. With him. <laughs> <laughs> that was the you Goonies.
0: That. that was the Goonies. Was he in that as well?
1: Yeah. It were not this Listen, film. <laughs> what he said. but they were funny enough worried about it Rob Reiner himself was worried about it being a Wizard of Oz where people didn't really get it when it first came out and he was worried that it was going to be a flop because of that You know, they couldn't, mark, they couldn't figure out a way to market the film etc etc but we're not going to get into that but yeah what I love about it is the reverence that the people had for it the way it was directed uh, by all accounts Rob Reiner on this film you know he's the kind of director that really knows how to work with actors all of them speak so highly of him the love that the cast had for Andre the giant i mean you were making fun of him earlier on but think about this while you're making fun of big andre <laughs> there was a point in which he was on the the boat right while they were in between scenes and he was sat down uh, with uh, mandy Pasinkin and one of the uh, i think a producer or someone on the show came over to him and said andre what you know have, have you had a good time on on this, on the film what's been your favorite thing about it and he said Nobody looks at me because they all just treated him like just one of the gang, and I love that because you talk about a guy who's seven foot four or whatever he was, you know, he's looked at as a freak by people all his life. You know, wherever he goes, this huge guy. But on this film, he's just Andre, and I lovely. love that about it. And it is, yeah. and the way they speak about him, the way the cast speak about him. There was, there's Robin Wright says that. In some of the scenes it was really cold so what he would do is just get his massive hand and put Mm -hmm. it on the top of her head and just keep her head warm because his fingers came right over her face. His hand was that big and just it's just going back to what people are saying it's so heartfelt and that really carries over into the actors themselves and and how they feel about the film and I think that's what sells the film. Like I said it, it really sells the film that they're all kind of in it together there's this family atmosphere for the cast and Yes, I'm looking at this retrospectively, but that's why I love it. Uh, and I love it even more now because of that fact oh, yeah. that, that I've discovered this love that the cast had for it. Even Fred Savage saying, you know, like being part of this film was just an amazing experience. You know, all of them, every single one of them loved being a part of it. And they speak with such fondness for it, guy. Yeah,
0: and, and to be fair... The miserable... No, it... no. The no, miserable I... gits
1: like you shouldn't, shouldn't <laughs> stamp on
0: if I am being serious, I suppose if 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 I was in a film that made me famous and gave me loads of money, I would love it too. Yeah, so yeah.
1: I don't think he gave many of them loads of money. Well, where did
0: they spend their budget? It must have been on the on the fees for the actors. Certainly, weren't on the but, the effects and that.
1: Do you know, a few people have said to me though, like, isn't it weird how Cary Elwes wasn't a much bigger star? Do
0: you know? Yeah, and he's been in quite a lot of films that like, you don't really yeah. think of him in. Yeah. Yeah. Which is,
1: I, th- I think, I think he's typecast. I think he's typecast as Wesley and Robin Hood Men in tights, which is I a think vast experience. That <laughs> Rob,
0: Robin, that's what he wanted to be, that's why he did that because, like, I, I, we didn't pull it off in The Princess Bride. I'll do that fairy tale <laughs> thing and do it right this time, <laughs> I but I, I do because I've he's obviously in I'm a big cruiser fan and he's in Days of Thunder yeah. as Russ Wheeler and he's great in yeah. that,
1: funnily enough. One of the comments that someone put when I put, you know, what, what's so good about the Princess Bride? Someone had put, Tom Cruise isn't in it. No, that's not
0: funny. That's not
1: it's funny. It's one of his favourites. You can have some of that. You deserve <laughs> it. You've given way more than you've taken today. <laughs> yeah. To be fair. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let me tell you another thing that you can't argue with then. On right. this film. The music. the music. Go on. By Go the on. great, the great Mark Knopfler. Straight to fame. No,
0: that ain't That's
1: the way you do it. Nominated for an Oscar storybook love alongside um, Willie DeVille. Yeah, yeah. You can't argue
0: with how great this score is. Well, I will say this we all know 1987 was a bad year for films, and in terms of the Oscars, Cher won Best
1: Actress, so that kind of tells you <laughs> what it was. It was 88, it was 80, so the next year.
0: Yeah, well, that's what I mean. It's the sixtieth. Um, so yeah, I know that, but I'm just saying. In that year, <laughs> Cher won Best Actress, mate. That's how bad the films were. Do
1: you so want if beat you it? Could turn back time. Would you, Do you know what uh, beat you stop um, this song? Go. On.
0: Time of my life, from Dirty Dancing.
1: Are you surprised? If I was to ask, you know, Storybook Love is a great song. My love is like a storybook story. It's a great song, but it's no time of my life. We can all admit that. And if you do like time of my life, don't forget you can watch one of our other episodes. It's out right now, and it's a special between Dirty Dancing and Flashdance. Go check it out. But anyway, back to the Princess Bride.
0: Well, just last thing on on the music because I just want to on. flag something up, and this is a fact, by the way. So, um, Dire Straits released Brother in Arms I think that's the one album that they knew mid-80s fantastic two years after they did The Princess Bride massive flop Mark Knopfler
1: did it, not Dire Straits just Mark Knopfler
0: yeah yeah but then he went right how can I redeem myself went back to Dire Straits they made one more (laughs) album and then they disbanded so I think Princess Bride is responsible for Dire Straits (laughs) breaking up facts
1: Is this to say that everything you said before this has not been fact because you haven't declared it fact? Well, no, that is a fact. This is a super <laughs> fact, super fact. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I really like this score. I think it's it's look, it's not going to be your John Williams of the world. It's not going to be your Alan Silvestri's. You know your Howard Shores, your Philip Glass. It's not going. It's not like that. What it is is it accentuates the hilarity in a lot of places there's so many kind of you know emphasis stabs in the sword fights and kind of things like that you know this and the actual theme the romantic theme the storybook love theme is really nice very mark knopfler of course you know there's definite elements of that kind of romeo and juliet vibe going on etc etc but um i think the score's really good do you not like it
0: it's unforgettable at best
1: it's unforgettable what do you mean forgettable
0: it's unforgettable how bad it is.
1: <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get anywhere with this, am I? <laughs> I'm certainly not going to win you over. I know that much. i I'm think. Sorry. I think that's it's going to about wrap it up, isn't it?
0: Yeah, like I say, I, I, I sound like a massive grump in this, and I'm not. <laughs> I Trust me, are, I'm not. You are. But it was one of those where I just went in with such high hopes, very much like... yeah. The fir- my first meal when lockdown finishes, I'm gonna mm. go out and have the most expensive, thickest, juiciest steak I'm gonna find. I will go to the restaurant that everyone tells me is the best. Very much like this film, you said it was the best. It's not because it I'll be so disappointed if I sit down for that meal and they bring out instead of the steak, very much like this, a turd burger. <laughs> and not just the patties being re- replaced by turd, everything's a turd. Like the buns are a turd, the patties are turd. A bit of cat turd as the
1: source, everything bad. Wow. Wow. Uh, I mean, you cut me to the quick there, mate. There's no need for that. I'm going to arrange when you do, go. I'll speak to your good lady and I'll arrange that you get a, an MLT, <laughs> Miracle Max style. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because I'm, I'm sort of sad that you didn't enjoy it because I thought this was genuinely going to be right. I mean, we've been friends for... Near thirty years, I thought it was genuinely going to be one of those films that we just are constantly quoting to each other and things like that. And alas, it's not to be, mate. So not only have you hurt an army of fans, you've hurt the cast who made this film. You've also hurt me. <laughs> you know what I mean, <laughs> and my child, because he's going to be happens. more annoyed with than anyone. <laughs> listen let me let me go back to the internet because i want to i've conceded that you're not going to change your miserable ways but i wanted to sort of just flag up one comment which i thought was just really fantastic and and really kind of summed up the princess bride for me now you're not going to agree with this in any way but um it really did sum it up for me and i thought it was a real good way of putting it and this is from alex acevedo on facebook The Princess Bride is one of the few films in existence that actually falls in the never a bad time category, and there's no incorrect way to watch it. Throw it on in the background, looking up only occasionally to quote along, pay deep attention, and pick up another detail of the tender performances. You can't go wrong. From every angle, The Princess Bride is the perfect delivery system for joy. So perfect that it's impossible to comprehend on a mental level, some may even say, inconceivable. And I think that's a really, really perfect way to describe this film for me. Because, I I mean, again, tonight, I've not really defended it that much. Partly because I've had fun listening to you whinging about it. And partly because, in some ways, I can't explain why I like it so much. It isn't perfect Mm. as a, a piece of technical filmmaking. We know that. There's things I love about it. I love the matte paintings. I love all that kind of stuff. I love what they did with production. I love the real locations. I love all of that kind of thing. But it's not perfect in terms of a film. It's not perfect in terms of how it's edited. It's not perfect in terms of how it's acted. But for some reason, all it's the sum of all the parts that, that it is. And it kind of almost does make it perfect to me. Like, I could go and watch it now. And I enjoy every second of it. Yeah. And enjoy every second of it. So you're a grumpy git. I don't know what we're going to do next because you're probably going to moan about it. You know what I mean? I think I think I'm just going to leave you to pick the next one on your own, just so that we at least get something. You know what I mean? <laughs> that you might enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? What, what are we going to do next? Something with Tom Cruise in it. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. But um, but yeah, I mean. I guess that sums it up really, doesn't it? I love The Princess Bride. Pretty much everyone else yeah. does, apart from like three or four of you miserable people <laughs> who just devoid of any kind of joy. I mean, how can you not love Ga The ending to this film with the grandson and the grandpa as he finally says goodbye.
0: Well, to be honest, that is one of my favorite bits because I knew that the end was nigh. And I could turn it off, never to watch it again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do
1: you know, for a second I thought you were going to have a little smidgen of, you know, sentimentality about you then, but you just <laughs> smashed it straight away. <laughs> well, I think that's the end is night for this episode, guys, isn't it? Yeah. Listen, if you agree with me, as pretty much everyone does at The Princess Bride, is a stone-cold classic. Or maybe if you agree with old misery guts, Ebenezer over here, please let us know on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. You can listen to this podcast if you would like to on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify and where else, can
0: You can go over to our website, www.thedavislocker.com and we've got all of our other feel-good film series on there. Way better films than this, so I would encourage you to go and have a look at that. <laughs> and also, please, 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 head on over to YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell so you know exactly when we do way better episodes than this. You will be informed straight away.
1: (laughs) It felt really weird you saying feel good then after where you've been tonight. It felt really, really weird. Anyway, that's it from us. We'll see you soon. See ya.